Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Psalm 30, starting at verse 1, says this. It says, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave, and thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Why? For his anger endureth but for a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. We sing that song, though sorrow may last for the night. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. You can be seated this evening. I just want to share a short thought with you tonight. Ha ha, a little bit of teaching. I won't keep you long. But I want to talk to you about joy, strength, and light. Joy, strength, and light. That last line in the psalm, the psalmist said, for his anger endures but a moment. God's anger is often kindled at his creation. It has been many times over. We fail him. Don't think that when we fall and we make mistakes, just like when your child disappoints you and does something wrong or gets into trouble, you get angry, right? You get, you get angry. You get upset about it. I've been upset with my children. Certainly my parents had their times of being angry with me. But if you're walking in the way and you know the word and you have that love in your heart that a, that a parent does, you know that that anger is just for a little while. But in, their, in, in our favor, there's life because despite that moment of time when they made their mistake and they slipped up and they failed us, we know that going forward, there's a long road ahead and there's going to be time together. I'm enjoying the, the place in my life right now where my children are all adults. And we talk and speak like adults. We have for quite some time. And, and I enjoy their, their senses of humor. And I enjoy their, their stories and their adventures and the things that they experience in life. I enjoy being their counselor. I enjoy being their dad. And I enjoy being their pastor. And so that time of favor in, in God is life. Weeping may endure for a night and joy coming in the morning is simply a foreshadow of what we have to endure here in life, what we have to do day by day. See, right now there's going to be the, joy, the sorrows and the ups and the downs and the joys and the sorrows and the challenges of life and the things that we face. But in the morning, in the morning, there's going to be joy. And someday there's a morning coming that's going to last forever. And that's the foreshadow that we see there. That's what the psalmist was sharing with, with us. And we talk about joy in songs, and we talk about joy in Scripture, and we use the word joy, but sometimes I wonder if we kind of forget and we lose sight of what joy really means, especially, you ever see these people that walk around in a permanent frown and their head hanging low? That's, that's not joy. And they're Christian people, the same people that have the same Holy Ghost that I do and the same the same water baptism experience that I do and the same miracles that I've experienced and walk around in their 
brow is furrowed and their head is hanging low and their face is, is sorrowful. Now, we all go through those times. My goodness, you wouldn't be human if you didn't have those days where your brow was furrowed and your teeth are gritted. But there, there are those that you encounter that, that live every day of their Christian walk that way, at least when we see them. And you've got to wonder to yourself, what God are they serving? What life are they living? What pain are they enduring? And we lose sight of what true joy is. Romans chapter 14 and 17, Paul, Paul talks extensively about joy, almost as much as David did throughout the Psalms. He says in Romans 14 and 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. We don't get our joy from partying and enjoying life and going from event to event and, and uh, birthday party to happy party to New Year's Day to Christmas. That's not joy. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, as, as I said, as a human being in flesh, it is impossible to maintain a constant state of ultimate joy. Although, we all know that one person who just seems completely bulletproof and totally indestructible and is always in a state of joy. We have a minister coming here in the month of October. I have a guest coming. I'm not going to reveal who it is. But this person is a great friend of mine, is constantly in a state of excitement and joy. And I ask him, like, what are you eating for cereal in the morning, man? <laughs> it's incredible, but I think he's found the secret. He's found the understanding. And, and so I want to share that. I'm trying to instill it in my life and, and share it with people. And, and, and I want to share it with you as a reminder. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's, it's an important factor. It, it's a part of the fruit of the Spirit, as you know in Galatians 5 and 22. For the, for the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. It's the second item after love. I mean, love's a big deal, right? I think this list, personally, this is my opinion now, but I think this list is in order of importance. It's the second item listed after love. Man, that's God. That's God's identity. That's his DNA. And so joy must be critically important to the Lord if the, in the fruit of the Spirit, the second item is joy. And notice peace is listed there just like what Paul said in Romans 14, 17. This is the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, this is the identity, the DNA of a Christian person. You'll know them by their fruit, that they have love and that they have joy and that they have peace and long-suffering, which is patience and gentleness and goodness and faith. And so joy is critically important in that list as well. And that same person that we know, that person that's just always anger and a big frown all the time, they're lacking something in their fruit. They're lacking something in their recognition of who they are. Walking around in the world, they're not going to let a light shine that's so incredibly important through their fruit. They're missing the point. They're missing the mark. It's so incredibly important. So how do we find it, and how do we keep it, and how do we keep joy at the forefront of what we do along with our love? Psalms 16 and 11, the psalmist says it this way. It says, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. That's why it's so critically important how many people know midweek matters. It's so incredibly important that we gather together forsake not assembling ourselves as the custom of some is so that we can come into his presence. Well, pastor, I feel his presence at home. I feel his presence in my heart. Well, I do too. But it's still critically important that we engage with one another. We were creatures that were designed to be socially engaged and draw from one another. That's why there's things in scripture that say, when when there's a sick among you, call the elders, bring them forward and have them pray. People of faith who are in a state of faith can put their hands on and transmit that faith from from a person with faith to the person who's really sick or having a problem that doesn't have as much faith right now. So joy is found in the presence of God. It's important that the people are coming. It's important that we're gathering together. The presence of God, in my opinion, is most powerful right here in our services. Now, you might have a Bible study going at your home, and there's 15 people there, and you're playing songs. I've been in those environments. I've taught them. I've had them of my own, and, and we have powerful services. And yeah, God's moved, so it is possible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I still, above all else, on a day-to-day and week-to-week and year-by-year basis, I believe that the Spirit of God, the presence of God, is most powerful and most tangible right here in the house of the Lord. Is that fair? Does that make sense? I, I just, it just seems simply obvious to me, right? So we know that we can find that joy and rejuvenate that joy. And joy, much like faith, is in a constant state of flux. As I said, as human beings, except for a few exceptions, it's impossible to maintain this high level of joy. I don't think we could do it just on the mere expulsion of energy and and sugar in our bodies and and all it would take to maintain that level of joy. It's just not possible, right? Got to stop being joyful for a second. I got to go get an apple juice. I'm out. So I just don't know that it's physically possible, but it is definitely mandatory in the word of God. It's definitely mandatory to our walk that we regenerate and rejuvenate that joy. It's important. Psalms 126 and 5, the psalmist says that they sow in tears, excuse me, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And so there's the answer right there. That's the obvious Vision of life. We're going to have those times of joy. It's like sorrow in the morning, sorrow at night, and joy in the morning. We're just going to have that that up and down and that up and down. It's just it's a fact of life. It's just how we're made. But if you if you sow in tears, if you go through life and you deal with your sorrows, and you certainly will, and your joy will be devastated, and and that will impact you adversely. You're going to go through those times, and you're going to suffer through those times. But as you do. It's a prerequisite to finding joy. If you never had any challenges, if life was just so good and awesome for you all the time, or you just had everything you always needed, and you were perfectly healthy and didn't have problems, you know how long joy would last in that situation? Ask somebody who's filthy rich and has fame. Look at these celebrities and stuff. You listen to these interviews and you read these people talk. They have everything. People that could literally wake up tomorrow morning, go down to the airport, lay a wad of cash on the counter at the airport, and step on an international uh, plane, a flight, to go 
anywhere on planet Earth, stay in any hotel they would want to, see any amazing sight that exists on planet Earth at the drop of a hat, and they are miserable. They have no joy because they suffer no tears. They sow no true tears. Their woe is that their Lamborghini tire went flat. Their woe is that their servants took a day off on a day they wanted them to be there. I'm being facetious, but you understand what I'm saying. We sow in tears, but we reap in joy. In other words, when you're going through those tough times, when you're going through those painful moments, and your joy has slipped away, recognize there's a morning coming. Amen? Isaiah said it in Isaiah chapter 12 and 3 this way. He said, therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, I had a terrible, terrible week last week, and terrible things happened to me, and I had a major financial blunder. And, but you know what just occurred to me? I'm not going to hell. That's awesome. It might, right? Sometimes we kind of forget that one of these days the, the master is going to split the eastern sky and he's going to come back for his church and there's going to be joy forevermore. We're saved at our lowest possible point. Living in a cardboard box with five days to live and not a penny to your name, you can stand up and say, but I'm saved. The righteous aren't being left to beg. Don't worry. But it's, it was kind of amusing to me as I was praying and preparing and I was looking for scripture and God led me to that scripture in Isaiah and I went, oh yeah, that's right. We have salvation. I forgot. I better get it out of my back pocket and put it right up here in front. You know, maybe I should wear that like the, like the priest there, you know, put the phylactery over my head. I'm saved. Check the mirror every day. Amen. The other key factor with joy is it is the source of true strength. And we can't ever forget that Nehemiah chapter 8 and 10, you can read that scripture. I'm just going to caption that last line, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The people say, what is the joy of the Lord? Well, it's certainly not the joy you get from winning at the bingo parlor, is it? Or your scratch-off paying off well. It's not a joy that you get that's fleeting. It's a joy that you get from the things that we're talking about, enjoying the promise of salvation, the joy that you get when you were here on Sunday morning and you watched these kids and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost fell upon them and God was calling our young people and anointing them and they were praying through. I want to tell you something. There was a pastor somewhere in the vicinity that was experiencing powerful levels of joy. Nobody can take that away from us. The devil can't take it away. The world can't take it away. And there's a strength that wells up in us when we have that joy. Strength for what? Strength to endure. Paul said it in one of his letters, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Ecclesiastes 9 and 11, one version of the translation basically says this, the race is not given to the swift or to the strong but he that endures to the end. Okay? That strong in that scripture wasn't talking about the strong I'm talking about through joy. That was talking about muscle strong. 
But the joy, that strength that you get from the joy is going to be what's going to draw you to the end. It's going to be that last length. And I think we're going to get to a place where every step of the race is going to be just a powerfully painful and tragic process in some cases. Because we're going to see a lot of things around us that are unpleasant. A lot of stuff that's going to be tough to deal with. But we've got that salvation card to whip out on the devil. Don't forget this devil. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You get more patience and wholeness and you lack nothing when you're experiencing and you're exercising true joy. You know, joy should result in smiles. Think about that for a second. James chapter one, starting at verse two, he said it this way. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. There's another way that you obtain joy. The trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, meaning complete, wanting nothing. His grace is sufficient for us. But if we've got that joy, if we know what's truly important, what's really a priority in our walk, we're unstoppable. We're invincible. Because at the end of the day, this flesh and this life is not a commodity that the devil can use against me to take my joy. So whether it be disease or disaster or failure, He cannot take my salvation. He cannot take what has happened from the time we began our walk till this day. That joy is secure. Amen? If you hold on to it, if you exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus promised great reward in heaven. In Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 22, he said, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, Wow, that doesn't sound very blessed. And when they shall separate you from their company. Get out of here. We don't want you crazy Christians in our neighborhood. And shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, he says, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. So in other words, another way to obtain that joy, unfortunately, is to have people out there hate your guts. Why do they hate you? Because you love Jesus. See, I'll take that trade any day of the week. They'll kick you out. They'll, they'll, they'll out, just out, get out, right? It's going to be ugly. It happens sometimes. It happens now. But every single time that does, Jesus didn't just say, be joyful or just You know, be glad in that. He said, leap for joy. That's how powerful the equation is. The more that we're hated and reviled for what we do. Do you think, let me just ask you this question. Do you think that denominations and Christian groups right now that don't offend and don't get too far into the word and don't preach the truth and aren't really teaching full salvation, do you think the enemy is going to come after them real hard? They're kind of doing his work right now, aren't they? They're wolves wearing sheep's clothing, and they're telling stories and fables. Think the devil's coming against them? Probably not. 
Think they're going to find much joy? No. But when you're preaching the hardcore truth, you're preaching every word between the black covers, you're giving it in Bible study, you're sharing it in testimony, you better believe that that's going to put a target on your back, a target for the enemy to come after you. And every time he does, it's an opportunity to increase your joy. It's a really tough psychological problem because you're dealing in the flesh. When people are mean to us and they're hateful to us, it is incredibly difficult To say, wow, that's awesome. But see, that's why when those things happen, your job and my job is to get into the word of God, get into the presence of God, get into the promises of God and say, you know what? He promised it. This was going to happen and I've got joy. Because I can tell you, when we were standing up here on Sunday morning and we were praying for these young people, watching the Holy Ghost fall on them, watching them pray through, do you think I was thinking about the mean thing the guy said to me two weeks ago or how much is due on my mortgage or any of that other stuff? No, buddy, it was heaven up here. It was just a little touch of heaven on earth up here as I was watching those young people just pray powerfully in the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of joy in that. Amen? So I said that the title of the message was Joy, Strength, and Light because I believe that the two are axiomatically connected, the three, I should say. Matthew 5 and 16, Jesus said it this way. I shared it the other day, as a matter of fact, and I'm repeating myself. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Again and again in Scripture, we're... we're, we're, prompted to let our light shine. Well, how do you do that? How does, how does your light, where does your light exist within you, by the way? Anybody know? Your light is in your heart. So that's where Jesus is, right? In your soul. It's in your mind. Well, how does that light get out? How do you let your light shine? You let it shine through joy. The smile on your face. What happens when you smile? What else goes on on your face when you smile? Your eyes reflect it. Eyes are what? Windows to the soul. You see where I'm going with that? When somebody, that that pastor I told you about that's coming to visit, this is a guy who's got a smile on his face, a spring in his step. He glows with joy because he's always smiling. He's always got something positive to say. Real, not, not fake. This is authentic, true joy because he's been through hell. He's been through the torment. He's been through challenging times. And this is a man who knows that salvation isn't in his back pocket. It's sitting right here in front of him. This is a man who knows that there's a God that that gives us grace that's sufficient for anything that we can go through. And he's been through it. That joy is reflected in the light that we shine. And the only way that that happens is that the holes in our head are letting it out. Big smile, bright eyes, Good words, amen? I don't know that the nose and the ears can maybe express it, but I think you got the the idea. And that's why when you see a Christian, when you're dealing with someone you know who knows God, you know they're full of the Spirit, you know they've had this wonderful experience and they're walking around with their head hanging low, they're always grumpy, something's always wrong. There's no light shining there. It isn't a reason to be mad at that person or to be angry with that person or critical of that person. It's a reason to say, wow, there's something wrong here. 
They've lost their joy. You know what happens when you lose your joy? You lose your strength. Your strength to endure. I'm talking about a spiritual strength. But then when you've lost spiritual strength, and this, is, this has been proven in medical journals, when you lose your joy, you lose that excitement, and you've lost your strength, you lose the ability to fight off diseases, the ability to, to uh, deal with simple things that other people deal with. Common colds turn into horrible things, and, and so on and so on. It affects you physiologically when you've lost your joy. We're susceptible to more when we have no strength, spiritual or otherwise. And you've got to have your strength intact because the enemy doesn't lose his strength without your joy, without Jesus shining through. We've got to be strong and ready to deal with the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul said it this way in verse 6. He said, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now simply put, and there's more to that passage, and I would certainly encourage you to read. 2 Corinthians is amazing. It's another excellent chapter uh, with so much encouragement. But it says, He commanded the light to shine out of darkness and has shined it in our hearts. That is a powerful light that gives us the ability to show Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. That's why I know that they're associated. That's why I know that joy and the light are associated together. It is our job after all, correct? I think that's irrefutable. And far too often I've encountered people who for some reason along the way somehow just lose that joy. They lose sight of why we're here and what we're doing this for. And they forget that there's a job that we have to do. And they do everything possible. You know that human beings are more prone to do more and extend, excuse me, to expend more energy avoiding pain than even, even closely to what they will do to obtain gain. This is something I learned when I was training in sales. We will go to great lengths to avoid pain over what it would take to gain. It's a sad state if you think about it. And so sometimes people take that to a level that's self-destructive or it's hurtful. People will do so much to avoid, say for example, a little bit of embarrassment, sharing the word of God or sharing a testimony. Because my goodness, what if they make fun of me? I can't, can't do it. Can't ever share my testimony. I might, and that hurts. It hurts to get made fun of. Oh, not going to do it. But what they're missing out is the gain that's available, the joy, the, the strength, the, the blessing that God is promising by being willing to extend or expend a little bit of energy and take some pain. Be willing to step out. And so oftentimes when I'm talking and I'm preaching and I'm, I'm messaging about people stepping up and extending themselves, getting involved in ministry or getting involved in a Bible study, doing something that just takes one step out, just a little bit of step out, some people I know will repel at that idea because immediately the first thought is, that's going to be hard, that's going to be painful, that's going to be embarrassing, I don't know how to do it. And, and they, start, they start accumulating the points of pain that they're going to experience. 
well, I'm not going to color, excuse me, uh, candy coat it for anybody. It takes an element of pain to push through that. You have to stumble and fall. You have to embarrass yourself. You have to have that embarrassing engagement in front of your co-works. You have to go through those things so that it armors you with the ability to say, you know what, that wasn't so bad after all. Because when the devil's telling you that it's going to be embarrassing and painful and all the blah, 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 that it's going to be horrific and you cower from it, he's lying to you. I used to train salespeople on the street. We, 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 yeah, we walked the streets. We, we turned doorknobs. We were yellow page sales guys. And I had done it for years. And I want to tell you what. There were those times when I walked up to that door and my hands shaking because I am afraid. That I know for a fact that that business owner on the other side of the door has a shotgun pointed at my head. And the second I walk in, he's going to take my head. I mean, irrational fear. Seriously. I mean, it's... It, you, it, if you have never done it, it's very powerful. And so I once stood at a door of a business. I had done this for years. So for me, I'd been through the pain. I had taken the steps. I had gone through all of that stuff before. I earned my stripes. And they were, they were hard-earned stripes. But I stood at a door with a young man that I was training. He was brand new. And I said, okay, let's walk in. Let's go meet our business owner. And we had a whole thing that we said to introduce ourselves. We were polite. We made sure they were okay and et cetera. <laughs> this young man stood at the door of this business, his hands shaking as he was reaching the doorknob. And I said, man, you're just going to have to turn it and push. You're not going to escape it. That pain that you feel is not going to go away. It's never going to go away until you push. Do you know that that guy stopped? let go of the doorknob, turned around, ran to the curb and threw up. Went and got in the car and sat there. We drove back to the office, didn't say a word. He walked into the office, picked up his belongings and walked out the door and I never saw him again. It affected him that much. But we've got Christians like that that are missing because you know what's on the other side of the door? Not a shotgun, they're not going to call the police on you. They're not going to kill you. They can't take away your salvation. You know what's on the other side of the door? Joy. Because I've also been there when I've had that young man or that young lady who takes it and is shaking. Okay. And they stand there in front of the business owner and they go, and then we have, and the business owner says, oh, okay, that sounds pretty interesting. When can we get together and meet? We're just out for appointments, right? We're not trying to sell stuff right there. We're just out for appointments. But if you know how this is and you know how it feels, you know walking out of there with an appointment, it's like winning a million dollars. And so I've sat in the car on the ride back to the office with the person going, that's awesome, I can't believe it, they actually are going to meet with me, this is wonderful, oh man. But see, I've also been there when that person's walked up to me and said, pastor, I did what you said and they're going to have a Bible study with me, it's so great. They don't even know if the person's going to buy from them or, or turn them down or if they're going to take the Bible study, if they're going to come, to, they don't know. But see, getting that first step done, there's joy when you push through the pain and you use that strength. Well, guess what that young person did the next time we went out of the, let me go first, Russ, I'm going to go on in. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're full of boldness and power and ability. That's how it works for us. That's how joy can work for you. There's joy on the other side of the door. We just have to give it a shot. All right, I'm closing up with this. 
Isaiah chapter 60. There was nothing more gratifying to me as a manager. And I sold too. I had, I had a territory I had to take care of. But there was nothing more gratifying to me to get to the place with one of those young people that I was training to where I could stand back and watch them walk boldly through the door and walk up to that business owner and say, hi, I'm Ted. I'm your area yellow page person. Is there any chance we could get together and talk about blah, 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 blah? And have the person say, yeah, sure, I think I got some time on Thursday. And I could see them writing the appointment in their book. And then to go back to that appointment and allow them to run the entire thing and then hand the pen and the contract over to the client and say, yeah, sign right here, sir. Everything will be all set. We'll get your proofs out in about a week. And they go, okay. There you go. The whole time you know that that person is going. And Y'all, thank you very much, sir. I really appreciate that. Right? Casually walking out the door. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. It's great. And get outside and go, ah! You know, and jump up and down and It's the same with us. It's the same with us. When that person comes to church, they come down to the altar. There is no greater joy than to watch the success of a Christian who struggled in this area, who's held themselves back or who has lost faith in their ability just to spread the word, just to say something. You see, we forget the God factor. You know what those young people forgot about when they were standing at the door and struggling and suffering to open the door? You know what they forgot? They forgot their training. They forgot the months and months of training and exercise and practice calls and practice runs that we went through. Come on, folks. You've been here. You've been through the training. You've got Jesus Christ in your voice box. You've got him in your heart. You've got a light that shines inside that's ready to come out. And the only limitation is your limitation that you feel like it can't be done. We put a block in our way, just like that young man who would not open the door. They're going to do something. They're going to do something. I would literally tell young people, listen, they're not going to kill you. They're not going to call the police. The worst that can happen, there's the worst that can happen. They can say, no, please leave. In my 15-odd, 18-odd years doing that, not one time did anyone ever call the police on me or throw something at me or pull a gun on me or take my life. But again, irrational fear. And so what they forgot was the training because they could recite it and they could go back and they knew what the script said and they knew what the product was and they knew what the pricing was and they knew what the deals were and they knew all of that stuff. But they forgot their training. And there's no joy in hanging your head and driving back to the office without any appointments and without any opportunities and to fail simply because we got in the way. There's joy on the other side of the door. Amen? We got to get this through to some folks. They're missing out on some awesome joy. They're missing out on a tremendous amount of strength and faith that's built up when you share your story and you tell your testimony and somebody says, yeah, I'd like to come to your church. 
You know, you saw up here on Sunday morning, Chris and Alyssa Ranham. They were neighbors in the apartment building with Danielle and Lloyd. That sweetheart, I'm telling you, Danielle, she's feisty. She'll tell anybody her story. She gets tons of joy out of it. So she went over to her neighbor. Hi, I'm Danielle. Blah, 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 blah. The lady said, she looked at her and says, I, I thought you were one of those Christian people. Danielle said, I am. And here's my story. Blah, 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 blah. You want to come to a Bible study? Oh, okay. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. They've been filled with the Holy Ghost. They were married here in this church by me. They attend here now. You want to imagine the joy that that young lady is feeling because God used her in that way? All right, I'm beating it to death now. I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 60, you can stand with me tonight. Isaiah chapter 60, three simple verses, but a beautiful, beautiful promise. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And look what it says in verse 3. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. That's a promise to you. I want to see some Gentiles that are coming to our light because they desperately, desperately need us in this hour. Amen? Amen. Lord, we're thankful, God, for your word. We're thankful for the beautiful and wonderful joy that you give us, Jesus. We're thankful. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.